Well, good morning. I was wondering if anybody was behind me singing. Couldn't hear you guys this morning. Well, I hope you've had a good week. We are in the second week of our pressure cooker um, sermon series. And um, how many of you, last week we talked about the temple uh, principle, which was taking better care of our bodies and eating better and sleeping, getting enough sleep and um, those kinds of things. How many of you tried to eat a little less ice cream this week? I did. I tried because I'm a stress eater. And I thought, okay. So I was feeling a little convicted about that. So I did try to eat a little bit better. It did make me think. And hopefully um, that's kind of how this will work through the, through the series. We want us to start thinking about things that can better equip us to handle the stresses of life. As I was preparing for this message, I kept picturing all of us, our, my church family, all of you, as just warriors ready to take on the stresses of life. We have this wonderful Savior, this beautiful God who has created us and promised to us so much. And those songs that we just sang, oh my goodness, the promises that are in those songs. Why is it that so often we just let the stresses of life flatten us out? We have a God who's on our side. And I'm like already almost to the end of my sermon because I'm so excited about these promises that God has given us. We don't have to lay down and let life roll over us. There's good news in, the, in our God. He's in control and he's sovereign. And so I just want you to be assured of that this morning. We're going to be talking about the wisdom principle, and I want you to know right off the bat, if you're thinking wisdom, well, I'm I'm not that smart. Wisdom is so different than just knowledge or being intelligent. It has nothing to do with your level of education. Wisdom is something far greater than that, and today when we're talking about this principle of wisdom, what we want to talk about is really knowing God and who He is And why he can be trusted with whatever comes our way in life. This is the verse that our whole series kind of hinges on. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Beautiful promise right there. Right? That's for you this morning. Uh, don't be tempted to read, read the scriptures and think, well, that was for so-and-so, or that was for those people way back then. Not true. Those promises are as much for you today as they were for the people in the day of Jesus and, and beyond. That is a promise. God has promised that he's going to over, he is going to overcome the world, and we have him to rest in. Well, let me ask you something. Have you ever had to prepare for something really big? Like most of the time we think about sports. Have you ever had to prepare for a big uh, tournament? I'm sure you high school athletes know what this is like. You've had to prepare for um, a big championship game. Or maybe you decided you were going to run a marathon or a half marathon and you had to prepare for that. Or perhaps it was a state board of some sort. Maybe you had to take a a nursing state board or your state boards for uh, physical therapy or something like that. Something that you had to prepare for. 
something that you knew that you couldn't just get up the next morning and go do and be successful at if you didn't have the time and take the time to prepare. Anybody in here not ever have to prepare for something big? That's what I thought. We all have had to prepare for something. And even if you're a parent, you have to prepare to be a parent, right? I have said more than once to my husband, and you're going to think less of me for this, but when my kids are giving me trouble, I say, these kids having kids were so overrated. Why didn't anybody tell us that it was going to be like this? And of course, deep in my soul, I love my children. I would, I would die for them. But you know, there are those times you think, oh my goodness, this is hard work being a parent. We have to prepare to be a parent and kind of learn along the way. Well, as you're getting ready to prepare for something or take on a new goal, you kind of have to go through this process of, of figuring out, do I really want to do this? And this is, we're going to kind of couch all of this in taking on the stresses of life. We're all going to have things in our lives that just come at us out of the blue and turn us upside down. It's going to happen. You cannot prepare for every certain kind of problem that's going to come your way because there are going to be things that happen that you had no idea would ever happen. But what we can do is be prepared on a spiritual front to be able to take whatever comes our way in our faith and to be able to take it knowing that God is on our side. Now, some of us maybe haven't quite been there. Maybe we've had things that have come into our lives before and we didn't really give them over to God. We just kind of rolled with the punches and in However we ended up, we ended up. But I would much rather, and I've done that before. I've faced things in my life where I did not hand them over to the Lord and let him be the one to overcome. I would much rather, now knowing what he's promised me and what he can do for me, I would much rather hand those things over to him as they come. And so we're going to take a look at what can we do To really prepare ourselves to take on whatever stress, problem, turmoil comes our way. We have to kind of go into this pregame assessment mode, okay? We we have to figure out, do I really want to commit? Do I really want to commit to going through the rest of my life giving God all of my stresses and all of my problems no matter what that will be? Am I ready to commit? to being that kind of a follower of Jesus that I'm willing to hand him over everything. Maybe take a look at how committed am I at this moment. Little things, yeah. Maybe I'm willing to give over little things to the Lord, but man, you start messing with my kids. Something happens with my kids. Then I want to take, I want to control it. I want to solve the problem because it's my kids. But we have to be willing to give even the most precious of our loved ones over to the Lord in these times of trouble and stress. Will this require more commitment than maybe I've already given in the past? That one we need to be really honest with ourselves about. 
Have I been committed to letting the Lord be the Lord? No matter what the circumstances were. And can I give more commitment to that? Do I really want to give more commitment to that? Do I trust him enough to do that? Those first three questions are questions that only you can answer. Only you know kind of where you're at and how much you're able to trust the Lord and how much you're going to be able to give to him. But now this next one is answered for us in the scripture. scripture. Do I have the ability to be equipped to handle stress well? Well, there's good news. Absolutely, we all have the ability to be equipped to deal with stress well. And here's a verse that proves that. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 27 says this. Then God said, Let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. You were created in God's own image. The divine image God created them, male and female, God created them. We were created to be put in charge of the things on this earth. If God was not going to be willing to equip us to do that, then why did he put us in charge? He has never, ever called any of us, and I don't even know all your life stories, but I know this. He has never called any of us to do something for which he did not equip us or could not equip us to do. We can, in Christ, be equipped to handle whatever comes our way. And then we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for that? God left this earth, but he did not leave us. He left his spirit for us. And 1 John 5, 6 says, um, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. We have the guidance of the Holy Spirit who speaks nothing but pure truth to us. And if we will listen, he will be able to guide us through life's worst of problems. Then we need to ask ourselves, do we have adequate support? Now, we're still in pregame assessment here. Do I have adequate support? Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. He could have stopped there. He could have stopped there. I'm with you. That's enough, isn't it? But look what he says. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. And help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What a beautiful, beautiful promise of God granting to us everything that we need in this life. And look around. Look at the people around you. You have a team of people who are on your side, who are here to support you, who will need your support at some time in their lives. We are a family. When we come here to worship our one true God, we become a family. 
that's here to support one another. We were never meant to go through this life all by ourselves. We have one another. So we've gotten through our pregame assessment. Are you ready to commit? Are we ready to say, Lord, whatever comes our way in this life, whenever I find myself in this pressure cooker, I'm going to commit to giving it to you and letting you work it out and have control. If you're ready, then it's time to sign up. If you're ready, it's time to set up a practice schedule because we have to practice. And if you're ready, it's time to see the goal. What is our goal? That's, this is our plan. Sign up, set up a practice schedule, and see the goals. And I'll tell you, and I think most of the athletes in here would tell you, practice is the hardest part. Guys, you think so? Practice is the hardest part. You've got to do it every day. Sometimes you get some really mean coaches who make you do it two or three times a day. You have to practice every single day, and it's the hardest part to be committed to. I know that Steve Knox works with several of our young men in this uh, church and, and outside of our church to help them be ready for basketball. And he says right from the get-go, it's going to be tough. These practices are going to be hard. And you're going to have to be committed to getting the work done or you're not going to get better. Friends, it's no different than when we're trying to traverse this life that brings us all kinds of chaos. We have to practice or we're not going to get better at it. We have to practice letting God be in control so that we can get better at dealing with the stresses of life. Now, last week, Pastor Paul talked about nutrition and sleep, exercise, breathing, praying, and self-talk. And I want to try to put some of those into the spiritual realm for us because they're all so important, even in the physical realm. But when we talk about nutrition, and we're talking about dealing with stresses, what came to my mind was, what am I feeding my mind? Am I feeding my mind anything that is contrary to God's holiness? Because that's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference in how we see what is coming our way. It's going to make a difference in how we want to deal with it. It's going to make a difference in who we run to first, God or our own devices. We need to be thinking about what are we feeding our minds and along with that is, do we thrive on negativity? All of us know a negative person. Don't look at anybody here. Look straight ahead. <laughs> These times can get awkward. We all know a negative person. They're not fun to be around, are they? They bring everybody down. And bless their hearts, they're just suffering all the time because they cannot see a half full glass. We don't want to be a person who's always thriving on negativity. And I have to tell you, all the promises that God has given to us, everything he said to us about never leaving us, being with us, giving us strength, holding our hand through life, what does it say to him when our attitudes are negative all the time? What does that say to this God who has given us so much. 
It says we don't trust him. It says we don't believe his promises really can affect us. Negativity is not good for anyone. Then we think of exercise. That, of course, would be reading our Bible. We need to be reading our Bible. Why is that? Because you can't know God unless you read your Bible. It's amazing to me and the people that I talk with out at West Central and and through the Hope Center, the people that have the hardest time committing, making a commitment to the Lord are the ones who don't know him. They have no idea who he is. They don't know that he can be trusted because they don't know what the word says. And it's no different with us. If we're honest with ourselves, we could sit in church for 25 years and still not really know everything that we could about the Father. If we're not in the Word, we need to be in the Word of God so that we know who He is, so that we know those promises, so that when you get a phone call late at night that your kid's been in a terrible accident, the first thing you think of is, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That the first thing you think of are these promises that God has given. But you can't do that if you don't know who he is. We must exercise every day and be in the word. And then breathe. Now I'm just going to admit to you, I'm terrible. Terrible at this when we're talking about uh, stresses of life. I, you know, a problem comes my way and I'm out the gate wanting to solve it because I don't want, you know, I don't want to deal with it any longer and I have to. So let's just find a solution and get to it. Jay, he's laughing. He's over there laughing because he knows that this is how I am and he's the calm one. Now let's just stop and analyze this and look at the problem from 50 angles And see what, you know, and I'm like, "Uh, no, we got to get this solved now. So we kind of balance each other out, I think, a little bit. But when we go into that mode of got to solve it, got to solve it, got to solve it now. Do we give the Lord any time to speak? I I have to make myself do this in the midst of a problem. Because while I... I'm a fairly good problem solver. I don't see the whole picture. I don't know what the end game is for, for the Lord. So my solution, while it might solve the problem right at, at the get-go, may not be what the Lord had intended for the end game. I have to stop. We all need to stop in the midst of the problem and let God speak into it. He knows the whole situation. He sees everyone that will be affected by whatever's going on. He's got the solution. We just need to stop and breathe and let him speak. And then we also, as part of our practice schedule, we've got to be praying. If we can't hear the Lord speaking to us, then most likely it's because we don't spend enough time praying. We have to have this relationship with the Lord so that we can hear his voice. He speaks to all of us differently. But we're not going to be able to hear his voice if we're not praying. So we need to be praying as part of our everyday practice schedule. And then self-talk. You know, a lot of athletes have this. I know 
Uh, I'm just going to keep picking on Steve. He has, he has the, the kids that he works with work on this kind of self-talk, not to be negative with themselves if they mess up. Just recognize that you messed up and tell yourself you can move on. A lot of runners, long-distance runners, have these kind of mantras that they say to themselves as the run's getting really difficult because they've been at it for so long. And you just kind of keep saying these things over and over to yourself to get you through the, the rough times. I love what Pastor Paul said last week. I will overcome, not be overwhelmed. I love that phrase. I'm, I'm going to write it on notes and put it on my bathroom mirror, on my school at computer, or maybe write on some foreheads of kids. I will overcome, not be overwhelmed. It's a great mantra for us. And Romans 8, 26 through 28 says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Here's another beautiful promise. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You know, you don't always know what's coming down the pike. You don't. So there are going to be times where we don't know really what we're praying for. We just know that we're living this life in a sinful world. And so without a doubt, stresses are going to come our way. But the Spirit knows. And he's already interceding for us. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, all things, not some things, not a few things, not every other thing, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things. He works things for our good. So we have to be practicing these things daily. And what's the importance of, the, of practice? Why is it such a big deal? Well, you can't get better if you don't practice. When I, uh, a few years ago, I turned 30, well, more than a few years ago, I turned 38. And I decided I wanted to run a marathon. I don't know what came over me, but, I, you know, I did. I had this goal, and I started, I couldn't even run a mile. Now, if I wouldn't have gone out every day and tried to keep running and running and running, I still wouldn't be able to run a mile. But I ended up being able to run a marathon. But I had to practice every single day. I had to do what I needed to do. Nutrition, sleep, get out and run. I had to do all those things. It's no different when we're facing stresses in life. We've got to practice or we can't get better at it. We can't become more mature in our, in our problem solving and in our relationship with the Lord. If we don't practice, we can't develop an ability to troubleshoot along the way. Because very soon, we will just be swallowed up with problems and heartache and pain. Whatever it is that this stress is causing in our lives, it will overcome us if we don't be in practice every day. And we can't develop advanced skills to defend even the fiercest of opponents. I'm sure that when some of you started playing basketball, you know, there were teams you were afraid of. I don't know if Jevin's afraid of any team now. I mean, this kid's got some skills. But he had to practice and practice and practice 
and practice some more. And now, I bet he's pretty confident he could have a pretty good run at most basketball teams because he's practiced. The next thing we need to do is determine a purpose. What is our purpose in all of this? What is the purpose of giving God our stresses and our problems in life? It usually begins because we need help. It usually begins because we just we are in trouble and we need help. But the more that we learn to trust him, the more we see his faithfulness working in our lives, that purpose will begin to change. It will become more about him and less about me. The more that we see his goodness in our lives, something will come our way and it won't just bowl us over at first because we'll know that the Lord is standing there with us through it. And whatever the purpose needs to be, we'll allow him to assign it. Our purpose needs to be in that we're going to trust God and bring him glory through letting him work in our circumstances. You know, bad things don't happen to us because God wants them to. Bad things happen because of sin. There's sin in this world. People make wrong decisions. People make painful choices that affect us. And a lot of people get caught in the crossfire of that. Never ever look at what you're going through as something that God caused. He is incapable of causing anything but perfection. And too many times we want to blame God. Why'd you let this happen? Why'd you let this happen? Because there's sin in the world. Because we're a fallen humanity. God didn't create a circumstance and throw it down on you. People created the circumstance, and you got caught in the crossfire. But God says, I'll be there. No matter what, I'm going to be there. Even in times when we can't see a purpose in our problems or our stress, we can always make the purpose glorifying God. There are going to be things that come into your life where you're not going to see a purpose or a meaning. And things are easier to deal with when you can see that there's a purpose to them, aren't they? But when you're dealing with something and it's chaotic and you just don't know and you're like, why in the world? What, 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 is, what could possibly come of this? It's hard to keep going. It's hard to keep dealing with that. You know, I think about my oldest son, Tanner. I don't know why at 16 years old he starts having these, these life-threatening heart problems. And every year since then, he's had some major problem with his heart. And they're all unrelated. And every time we go, they say, oh, your heart's fine. Well, it's obviously not fine because these things keep happening. I don't know what the purpose of all of that is. I want it to end. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't want it to continue to, to happen. But if God, if God allows it to continue to happen, if it just keeps happening, I have to trust that in all of it, the way that I handle it, the way that our family handles it, God can be glorified somehow. And that's enough for me. As badly as I want that to end for him, if it continues, the, then 
it bringing glory to God is enough of a purpose for me to keep trucking through it. Todd Gates shared a story. Um, he comes to the second service. He read a book by a man named Victor Frankel, and he was actually a Holocaust camp survivor. And as he was in the concentration camps going through unspeakable treatment, um, he realized that human beings can survive almost anything if they can find purpose in it, if they can find meaning in it. They can get through almost anything. And I do think that there's a lot to be said for that. If we will, in the context of our struggle, even when we can't find a purpose, make the purpose to be to bring glory to God, we'll be able to get through it a lot better than if we just keep flailing our arms and screaming that we want it to end. Let it be about the Lord. So we've got our pregame assessment, our plan. We have our practice. We've determined a purpose. Now it's time to play. Now nobody wants to bring stresses into your life just so you can play the game, right? But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And here's what we need to do when we're playing the game. We've got to give it our best shot. Have you heard the term, leave it all on the field? Leave it all on the field or on the court. Give it your best shot, whatever it is that's going to come your way and tear your world apart. Go at it with everything you've got. And by that I mean the promises of the Lord behind you. Learn from your failure and move on. We're not always going to handle ourselves well in the midst of trying to get through stress. So when we mess up, learn from it and move on. Throughout the stress, we got to keep looking to our coach. Look to God throughout your problem. Look to him. Keep running over to the sidelines as much as you have to and ask for his advice. Ask him for some help. Ask him what you should do. And stick to the playbook. You have a playbook full of promises of the Lord's. And when, you, when things get really bad, you're going to be tempted to feel like he's abandoned you and he's not there. That is how Satan's going to work on us in the midst of all these stresses of life. Don't believe it. You stick to the playbook. Believe in the promises that God has given. And then you've got to be ready for overtime, unfortunately. Some games go into overtime. You think these stresses should just be, you know, for short periods of time, and sometimes they go on and on and on. I've watched both of my parents now care for their elderly parents who, who had dementia. And those of you that have had to deal with that, it's just a terrible disease. Terrible. And I know a lot of you have cared for, for elderly parents. It disrupts your life. It's emotionally difficult because you hate to see your parents that way. It's a very difficult, stressful situation that a lot of us will find ourselves in if we haven't already. And sometimes those situations go into overtime. You have to be ready for that. You have to practice every day. You have to stick to the playbook. Do the things that you need to do to get through those times. If you got to rehydrate, get in the word, pray some more, take a break, and then get right back to it. 
but know that some things are not going to end quickly. They're going to be drug out, but your Lord stands beside you every minute. And then seek to find meaning and purpose in your suffering, because it will make a difference. Now, I want us to look at um, Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, and it's going to be on the screen if you need it. This was a terrific example of someone who practiced. He knew what his purpose was. He was committed. He figured that out long before the stress started. And then he played, this, he played well. And I'm going to read quite a bit of this, so hang in there with me. Uh, Daniel chapter 1. Starting with verse 3. Now, let me set this up for you a little bit. Um, Jerusalem has just been handed over to King Nebuchadnezzar, who's from Babylon. Okay, totally different culture. Then the king ordered uh, Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So talk about stress. Let's pull some of these things out of here real quick. Jerusalem's handed over to this new king. It's a completely different culture, completely different language, all different customs. Even the religion is different. The food is different. The names for everything is different. So that would be like if somebody came and picked you up and plopped you down in the Middle East somewhere and left you. You don't know the language. You don't know the food. You don't know directions. You don't know how to get around. You can't practice your own religion there. It's stressful. And then on top of that, Nebuchadnezzar calls for four royal descendants to be chosen. Now... This is a lot of pressure. They have to be good looking. They have to be without defect, so perfect in their appearance, skilled in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, conversant with learning, and capable of serving. That's a lot of pressure on one person to be all those things wrapped up into one. Daniel was chosen as one of those people. So he's in this in this land trying to learn all of these new things under this king and he's got to maintain all of these perfections that's that's uh, the epitome of getting a new job and not knowing what you're doing at all this guy has got to really step up and it's stressful then they give him new names you don't even get to keep your own name so that's stressful too Over the next three years, these guys are taught a new language. They're taught all the literature of the Babylonians, all their customs. And um, they were supposed to eat the same food that the king of Babylon ate. 
but they were things that they weren't used to eating, and some of them that were things that were against their religion at the time. So now Daniel's got to make this, he has to make this decision. Do I defile myself, my body, by, by eating these things, or do I stand up to this new king? This guy's got a lot of stress in his life. He decided to stand up to the king and not take in the food. So let's look at verse 8. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. God was already working on Daniel's behalf. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all things, of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. And then, you know the rest of the story, they were found to be perfect. So they held up to this stress that was, that was laid on them. They played the game, so to speak, well. They practiced. They knew who they were. They knew what their purpose was. They knew who their God was. And they knew that God would stand by them. And not fail them in this. It is God's will for us to live in freedom and peace, not in turmoil. Hear that if you don't hear anything else today. It is God's will for you to live in freedom and peace. He intends that for you. He intends for you to live in freedom and peace even in the midst of turmoil and heartbreak and sorrow and pain. He intends for us to be free in him. And we have a testimony, a video testimony, by someone who has experienced a lot of change over the last few years. Someone who's experienced a lot of painful things in her life. But I want you to hear what she has to say about how God has seen her through. I became a Christian at a young age. I remember my parents teaching me to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and he would be faithful to me. It may not always be easy, but it's always the best way. This foundation was laid at a young age in my life. It wasn't until I became an adult that I really knew that was true. God has been faithful to me. There have been seasons in my life where I have been hurt, disappointed, and felt like I didn't belong. But God always provided people in my life to show me that the enemy was filling my head full of lies. 
the times that I had made some bad choices that were not best for me spiritually. And as a result, I became very bitter and unhappy. God provided an opportunity for me to hear teaching that brought me freedom from the things that I held on to for many years. And I celebrate that freedom today. The joy that God gave me through this teaching, it has never left me. Two years ago, the company that I had worked for for 36 years was offering a buyout. It was a pretty sweet deal for me. So I was considering taking it thinking maybe I might start a new job somewhere else. So I prayed that God would give me the answer, but, the, but I just couldn't find peace in signing that piece of paper, so I didn't. A few weeks had passed, and for the first time, I heard a song by David Crowder called I Am. The lyrics ran through my head like I had wrote the song. It drove me crazy. I woke up three times in the middle of the night, singing this song, I am holding on to you. In the middle of your storm, I am holding on to you. Little did I know that my world would be a little bit upset the next day when I went to work. The company that I had ded dedicated 36 years of employment was releasing me to work for a division they had just sold. My first thought, why didn't I sign that piece of paper? Why God, why didn't you give me peace so that I could sign that piece of paper and I could start a new job somewhere else? Now I have to go start over in a new company. I was kicking and screaming. I, hurt, I felt hurt, I felt disappointed, didn't think I was treated fairly. But in the middle of the storm, God was taking care of me. You see, he told me that the night before. I just wasn't listening. He provided an opportunity for me to work in this new company. They honored my 36 years of service, and I was able to keep all of my benefits, even my six weeks vacation. Today, I am so thankful I didn't take that sweet deal. Not only do I enjoy my job and the team that I work with, but because they honored all my benefits, I was able to use 12 weeks of 100% sick time I have built up over the years to use for two unexpected operations. God saw ahead and cared for me and my needs. Another area of my life I have seen God's faithfulness was with my family. I truly believe that it was God that provided the patience, love, and understanding the 14 years our family worked together to take care of our sweet mom in her home. I'm not, always, I'm not saying that it was always easy, but when it wasn't, God was faithful to show us that he was well aware of our family situation and he always provided an encouraging phone call or dad would receive a thoughtful card, friends would stop in to visit, or another family might stop in. He provided scriptures and songs and to encourage us, and he encouraged mom. Never did he leave us. 
And when it, he saw that she was tired and wanting to go home to see Jesus, he provided us the grace to let go of her hand. Our family misses her sweet smile and her soft, gentle voice, but we rejoice through that we can see her again through Jesus Christ. Yes, my parents were right, and I can say that it's true. Put your faith in Jesus Christ, and he'll be faithful to you. He is my firm foundation, the rock in which I stand. Well, that's a beautiful testimony, and thank you, Terry, for sharing that with us. Uh, there are a lot of you who have been through uh, terrible things in your life, but you've come through on the other side well because of your Lord. You know, when we get done kind of going through something, we need to look back at it and think, how'd I do? How'd I do that time? Little post-game assessment. Are there gaps in my training? Do I need to shore up some things? Maybe do I need to be in the Word more so that next time it happens, I can go straight to those promises that God gives. How can I strengthen myself for next time? Because there will be a next time. It's inevitable. And ultimately, when I look back at how I handled something, or when you look back at how you handled something, we need to ask, was God glorified in it all? Was I able to treat people with kindness, even in the midst of my stress? Will I be able to help somebody else at some point because of what I went through? And probably most important of all, am I willing to see that God stood beside me and am I willing to give him praise, even in the midst of the storm, for his faithfulness? God cares for you. He wants the very best for you. And he will overcome for us if we will allow him to. Amy's going to come and, and sing that song for us again. And I just think maybe someone would like to pray this morning. Maybe you're going through something. And you need to just give it over to the Lord and let him deal with it. Or maybe you see that there are areas you could do better next time and you want to strengthen yourself for that. The, it's a great time to come and just let the Lord have whatever you're dealing with. And then I want to call your attention to the jars on either side of the sanctuary. These are part of our series and um, they are meant for you to write down a concern or something that you're going through right now and just put it in the jar and seal the jar signifying that you're giving that to the Lord you're not saying I'm not going to be affected by whatever it is and, it, and you're not saying it's not going to be hard and it probably is whatever you're dealing with is going to be a struggle to get through but you can, you can get through it knowing that God is standing by your side and that he's going to fulfill every promise he ever gave to you. And so whether you'd like to come and pray or if you want to take some time to put your concerns in the jars, um, your staff here will be praying over the jars. We're not going to get in there and open it up and look at all your, your stuff. That's going to stay there. But we will be praying over um, the concerns that are in there throughout this series. So would you stand with me? Amy's going to sing. I would encourage you to listen to the words of this song. It was new to us today. But if you need to come and give God something, would you just do it in the presence of your family and people who can encourage you and just know that 
He's waiting for you with open arms. Soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to open my eyes and see that you're shaping my life and all I am. I Trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside, I give you my life. I need you. Soften my heart and break me apart. I need you to pierce through the dark and cleanse every part of me. And all I am, I surrender. Trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside, but I give you my life. Father, we thank you so much for this day that you've given to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your character, Lord, who only wants good for us and who is willing to, in the midst of a sinful world, work on our behalf. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to give to you whatever it is that comes our way. And I pray that you would help us to not wait until it's already here, but Lord, to take it on like a warrior and be ready for it. Lord, you are on our side. And I pray that you would help us to realize that promise and the power that is within it. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.